Although in general, in order for two different bodies of water to connect, we considered like one large mikveh, the amount of space over which the water connects needs to be the size of the tube that comes out of a leather flask. That's the measurement given, as we have seen over the last parak. This Mishnah teaches that specifically when it's only a small hole in the wall that separates the two bodies of water via which the water connects. But if there is Kaisel Shben Shnemik Voice, there is a wall separating the two bodies of water, Shenisdak Lashesi, and it gets cracked across the entire vertical height of the wall. And the water can pass through that crack, it's very thin, but there is nevertheless some space over there across the entire height of the wall that allows the water to pass from one mikveh to the other. In such a case, mitzvah, the two bodies of water would combine. So, for example, if each of them by themselves are too small and lack the minimum volume of 40 sa'ar, but together they can combine to make up that minimum volume, then they would both be valid, because they do combine. Since over here they are connected across the entire height, there is no need for that gap to be wide, as wide as the width of the tube that comes out of a flask. And if there is a crack going horizontally across the entire length of the wall that separates the two mikvahs, in that case, Ainmit story, if they would not combine together, unless there is a hole at some point in that crack that is at least the width of the tube that comes out of a flask, then of course they would combine, but in terms of the crack which goes across the entire length of the wall, in terms of that connecting the Trumik voice, that is not sufficient, because that doesn't connect any of the water that is below the line. It's true that any of the water that reaches that height of the horizontal crack, the water would run from one liquid to the other, but all of the water that is below that height is not really affected at all by the fact that there is a crack there, and therefore it would not combine the two mikvahs together. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, It's actually the exact opposite. If there is a vertical crack, then it does not combine the two mikvahs together, because Rabbi Yehuda argues on the logic that says that since it runs across the entire height, so therefore the regular measurement of the width of a tube of the flask doesn't apply. According to Rabbi Yehuda, in order for the two bodies of water to connect, there needs to be a place which is at least the measurement of a shkishafaris hanoid, of the tube that comes out of a flask that the, over which the water connects. However, in the case where there is a horizontal crack running across the length of the wall, Rabbi Yehuda does hold that the water, the tumic voice, would connect, but his reason is the fact that we view all of the wall that is above the crack as if it doesn't exist because there is a law in regards to the laws of mechitzas, partitions, that need to halachically separate two different areas, that a mechitza taluya, a partition that is being suspended in the air, but isn't resting on the ground, halachically is not viewed as a partition in dividing two different areas into two. And if you think about it, the part of the wall that is above the crack is like a mechitza taluya. It's not resting on the ground, and because of that, halachically speaking, it is not considered to be a sufficient partition to divide and separate. So as far as we're concerned, it's as if it doesn't exist, and therefore there is certainly a large area over which the two mikvahs connect, if we're viewing it as if the partition doesn't exist. So then there's even more than kishveferis hanoi, than the width of a uh, tube of a flask. So in that case, the two mikvahs would connect to make up one mikvah, and if together they have that minimum volume of 40 sa'ar, then the mikvah would be valid.
Now, if there is a breakage in the wall at the top, such that Nifritz was there, the water breaks over the top in and mixes at the top of the wall, then the two bodies of water would connect, even if the water goes above the wall only by the height of the peel of garlic, a tiny, tiny layer goes over the wall. Since we can see the wall as being inside of the water as opposed to separating the two bodies of water into two, it would be considered like one large mikveh, as long as the water does connect over the wall over at least the length or the width of the tube of a flask. In a bathhouse, if there is a bath with an ovic at the bottom of it, an ovic is a type of metal utensil shaped like a cup or a bowl, which had a hole at the bottom of it which could be plugged, and this utensil was built into the floor of the mikveh, such that the surface, the very top of this cup or bowl, would be in line with the floor, and the bottom of it would be deeper and lower down than the rest of the floor of the mikveh. And when they wanted to replace the water, they would unplug it, and all of the water would flow through there, and they would be able to refill that bath with more water. The question of the Mishnah is, if the mikveh is filled with natural rainwater, which is fit to be used as a mikveh, the question is whether the water is going to be invalidated for use as a mikveh, based on the fact that it is falling into this metal utensil, which, as long as it, it is plugged, is considered to be a kli, a container which would invalidate water in general, and make it considered maim sh'uvim, drawn water which cannot be used for a mikveh. And the Mishnah says, in a case where the utensil is in the middle of the mikveh, it's on the floor, as we described, paisel, it would invalidate the entire mikveh, even if the amount of water that can be kept inside of this cup is less than three loig. It's less than the minimum amount that is needed of maim shuvim to invalidate a mikveh. And the reason for this is because we don't only view the water that is, is inside of the utensil as being maim shuvim, but actually all of the water that's going to be inside the entire mikveh has the status of maim shuvim. Since a part of the floor, the deepest part of the floor, is made up of a kli, a utensil, so it is viewed as if all of the water inside of that mikveh is being held by that container. And therefore all of it is considered to be maim shuvim, even that which is higher up in the mikveh itself. On the other hand, the Mishnah continues and says, Minatsad, if this utensil was built into the side, into one of the walls, the bottom of one of the walls of the mikveh, and when they wanted to empty the mikveh of water, they would unplug it from the side. In this case, certainly we don't view all of the water which is in the mikveh as being held inside of the utensil. The utensil is built into the side of the mikveh, into the wall. However, the water that is inside of the utensil itself, that would be considered maim sh'ovim. Nevertheless, the Mishnah teaches that enopaisel, that would not invalidate the rest of the water in the mikveh, even if there is three loig in that container before there is a volume of 40 sa'ar in the rest of the mikveh, because it's not considered to be maim sh'ovim inside of the mikveh itself. Rather, mipneshu kamikveh samachna mikveh, it resembles a case of one body of water adjacent next to another body of water, and one of them is Maim Shovim and the other is a mikveh. The law in such a case is that the Maim Shovim does not invalidate the mikveh. 
only Maim Sha'uvim, drawn water that is inside and totally mixed with the actual mikveh, only that would invalidate the mikveh. But over here, that the water that is inside of the utensil is kept to the side, although it is touching the rest of the mikveh, it would not invalidate it. Div Reb Meir, that's the opinion of Reb Meir. But the Chachomim say that there's no differentiation, since at the end of the day, the utensil, although it's in the wall of the mikveh, but it is considered to be a part of the same body of water. So if there are three loig that are contained inside of that utensil, then it would invalidate the rest of the mikveh. However, the Chachomim introduce a different leniency, and that is, we have already learnt at the beginning of the Masechta that Mida'iraisa, according to the Torah, the minimum volume of water that needs to be inside of a mikveh for it to be valid, is a revius, which is a quarter of a loig, which is much, much smaller than 40 sa'ar and very small items that are able to be fully submerged in the water could be purified in such a small collection of water. However, Midrabanon, such a mikveh is invalid, one cannot be purified in that mikveh, and we need a minimum volume of 40 sa'ar. Nevertheless, we have already seen that since, strictly speaking, this is considered to be a mikveh, it's just that Midrabanon one cannot be purified in that mikveh, and you can't purify items in such a mikveh, that's with regards to the mikvah's ability to purify other things. Which Rabbanon, it no longer has that ability. But the body of water itself still has the status of a mikvah. And therefore, for example, it cannot become tome, just like the water of a mikvah cannot be tome. So too, a collection of even just a revius of natural rainwater cannot become tome. The Chachomim now show an additional significance of the amount of a revius that has to do with our case. If the bath is able to hold at least a revius of water before that revius falls into the metal utensil, it could be that the floor of the bath is slightly slanted, so even if the metal utensil would be unplugged, some water would remain in the mikveh. If the amount of water that would remain is a revius, that means that technically speaking, the water that is in the mikveh has the status of a mikveh already, even without the water having reached the metal utensil. So when the water does eventually reach the metal utensil, and that which is inside of it at least would become maim sh'uvim, it would not invalidate the rest of the water that is inside of the mikveh, because that bath that is holding the water of the mikveh is able to hold a revius of water that gives it the status of a mikveh, regardless of that metal utensil at the bottom. And once that water gains the status of a mikveh, it would not be invalidated because of that metal utensil. So then kosher, it would be valid, vim lav, but if not, if the mikveh is not able to hold a revius before the water reaches that metal utensil, Apostle, then the mikveh indeed would be invalid. Rabbi Elazar Tzadik, Rabbi says he doesn't hold of Rabbi Meir's leniency of the metal utensil being in the wall, and he doesn't hold of the Chachamim's leniency of there being a revius of water before it reaches the metal utensil. And because of that, in the Kabel Ha'ovik Kol Shehu, Rabbi Elazar Tzadik says that if the metal utensil is able to hold any water, Apostle, the entire mikveh is invalid, whether it is at the bottom or in the wall of the bath. And whether or not the rest of the mikvah can hold a revius before it reaches that metal utensil, the mikvah will be invalid, according to Rabbi Loza Brebitzadik. Mr. Yud Aleph, water naturally flows downwards, and because of that, if we are talking about 
connecting two different mikvahs. For example, if there is a body of water of valid mikvah water, and there is a collection of maim she'uvim. If the maim she'uvim is higher up, and thus that is what is flowing towards the valid mikvah, there is possibly more of a reasoning to invalidate the other mikvah. Because we have maim she'uvim, which is naturally flowing towards that mikvah. Whereas if there is Maim Sha'uvim lower down, there is slightly less reasoning for it to invalidate the other mikvah, even if it is connected to it. Because in terms of the direction of the water, it doesn't necessarily naturally tend towards the other mikvah. That having been said, in general, we see that it doesn't make a difference. It's just that the Mishnah is going to emphasize, in the cases where the Mishnah wants to say that the mikvah remains valid, it's going to emphasize that this is even true in a case where the Maim Sha'uvim is higher up. And in a case where the mikvah is considered to be invalid, the mission is going to show that that's even in a case where the maim shu'uvim is lower down and doesn't naturally flow towards the mikvah. Nevertheless, it would still invalidate the mikvah in those cases. If there is a body of water inside of a bathhouse, which is used for people to cool off after having a very hot bath, and there are two of these which are right next to each other, and one is deeper than the other. Hatachtoina, the literally this means the lower one, and over here it is going to mean the deeper one. The deeper bath, Meleo Shuvin, is filled with Maim Shuvin. While Yoina, whereas the more shallow bath is Meleo Kshirin, full of valid mikvah water. So since the Maim Shuvin is lower down, like we mentioned, there could possibly have been more of a reason for it not to invalidate the other mikvah. Mish is going to emphasize, however, that nevertheless, in the following case, it would invalidate it. If there is a hole which connects the two baths, and the water that is in line with the hole contains at least a volume of three log of maim she'ovim, possible the bath that contains valid mikvah water would be invalid as a mikvah. And the explanation of this is as follows. Like we mentioned in the previous Mishnah, Maim Sha'uvim, drawn water, invalidates a mikvah only if it is mixed inside of it. But if it is a mikvah that is right next to a collection of Maim Sha'uvim, it would not invalidate the mikvah. Now, in this case, there is indeed less than 40 sa'ah of valid mikvah water at this current time. But the water that is next to it, which is Maim Sha'uvim, is not inside of it. So it shouldn't really invalidate the mikvah. However, according to this opinion of the Mishnah, the water that is directly in line with the hole, as well as the water that is inside of the hole, that is considered to be mixed in with the water of the mikvah. So if there is three loig directly in line with the hole, then it wouldn't validate the mikvah. And the Mishnah asks, in order to measure this, how much needs to be in that area right opposite the hole in order for it to contain three loig of water? One 320th of a pool containing 40 sa'ar. There are 960 loig inside of 40 sa'ar. A sa'ar is equivalent to six kav, and there are four loig in a kav. So a sa'ar is the same as 24 loig, so 40 sa'ar is 960 loig. If there are 960 loig in 40 sa'ar, that means that 3 loig, which is the amount that would invalidate the mikvah, is going to be 1 320th of 40 sa'ar. Dear Rabbi this is the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar says, 
even if it's the deeper mikvah that is filled with valid mikvah water, and it's the more shallow, higher up one, which is filled with maim shuvim, drawn water. So over here it's easier to invalidate the mikvah because the maim shuvim is higher up, and so it naturally flows downwards towards the valid mikvah. If right opposite, next to the hole, there is a volume of three loig of maim shuvim, kosher, the mikvah will remain valid. Because the Chachomim only said that three loig that fall into a mikvah and are mixed in with that water invalidate the mikvah. But over here, the, the Maim Shuvim are only next to the actual valid mikvah. Even if it's right opposite the hole, at the end of the day, it's not mixed in with the actual mikvah, and therefore it would not invalidate the mikvah. So as soon as you do add enough rainwater to the valid mikvah, and it reaches a volume of 40 sa'ar, it would be valid, and it would not have been invalidated by the three loig of Maim Shuvim that are next to it. For example, Aleph, this parak, this chapter, talks about different substances that are similar to water that fall into a mikvah, and what exactly is their status with regards to validating or perhaps invalidating the mikvah. Now, on a simple level, although perhaps it might emerge otherwise in certain opinions in this parak, but simply speaking, water is the only substance that the entire mikvah can be made up of, all 40 sa'ar of the mikvah, and if the water is drawn by a container, then it would invalidate the mikvah. The Mishnah says that there are other substances that yesh malin as a mikvah, they have the ability to complete the volume of the mikvah. That means that you can't make up the entire 40 sa'ar out of these substances, but if the water of the mikvah is lacking slightly and you need to complete the volume with these substances, then you would be able to. Velo paislin but those substances would not invalidate the mikvah if they were drawn up by a container and poured into the mikvah. If that was done with water, then it would invalidate the mikvah if there are at least three loig of the maim shuvim. But these substances that are not 100% water, if they were poured into the mikvah, it would not invalidate the mikvah. So that's the first category. There is a second category of substances that paislin, it would invalidate the mikvah if they were poured in, just like drawn water invalidates the mikvah. And these substances are not able to complete the 40 sa'ar volume that is needed. And there's a third category of substances that they would neither be able to be used to make up that minimum volume of 40 sa'ar, and at the same time, if they would fall into the mikvah from a container, they would not invalidate the mikvah as Maim Sha'ovim. And the Mishnah will go through category by category, beginning from the first. Eluman and Vlepaislin, the following substances can be used to make up the minimum volume of 40 sa'ar, and they would not invalidate the mikvah if they were poured from a container. Hasheleg, snow, vahaborod, and hail, vahakfur. Sleet, which comes from dew that has frozen, vahagalid, and ice. The hamelach and salt that comes from salt water, the hatit hanoraik and mud in a slightly liquid form. All of these, since they are essentially water-based, and the actual substance is essentially made up of water, therefore they are fit to make up the minimum volume of a mikvah. But since currently their current state is one that is not water, they would not invalidate the mikvah if they are poured in from a container. That law is dependent on their current state right now, what they are as they fall into the mikvah. Since right now their state is not one of water, so it wouldn't invalidate the mikvah. 
However, once it is inside of the mikveh and it melts, for example, the snow melts, now the mikveh, at the end of the day, contains 40 sa'ar of water, and none of it is within the category of maim sha'ovim, which is specifically water that was contained by a container and was poured into the mikveh. Omar Biakiva, Biakiva said, Rabbi Shmuel argued against me, and he wanted to say that Hasheleg snow cannot complete the minimum volume of 40 sa'ar of a mikveh. And he wasn't only referring to snow, but he was referring to everything which was mentioned in the Mishnah, possibly except for the muddy water. He argues about the definition of the snow. He understands that it's not considered to be water at all. And the fact that it turned into water later on is not good enough because it wasn't water that fell naturally into the mikveh. Now the truth is, this is not the opinion of Rabbi Ishmael. He was only arguing for argument's sake with Rabbi Akiva. And this is proven from the next part of the Mishnah. The people of Meidva, which is a particular place, testified in the name of Rabbi Ishmael, that he told them, Go out and bring snow and make a mikveh out of snow from the beginning. That is to say, you can fill up the entire 40 sa'ar of the mikveh with snow. And at the same time, you're even able to use utensils and containers to pour it into the mikveh. Because there's no invalidation of Maim Shuvim, since at the time that it falls into the mikveh, it is not water. So this is not considered to be drawn water in containers. And at the same time, once it turns into water, we now have a mikveh of water. So it would be valid. Rabbi says, Evan Haborod Kamayim. Hailstones are considered to be like water, and therefore the invalidation of Maim Shuvim would apply. And at the same time, if it falls naturally into the mikveh, then the entire mikveh could be made up of hail. And Rabbi Nechemenuri is referring to all of the types of frozen water, so snow, hail, sleet, and ice. All of those are considered to be exactly like water, according to Rabbi Nechemenuri. So in summary, there are four different opinions in the Mishnah concerning the substances that have been discussed. What does the Mishnah mean that it can complete the volume of the mikveh? But it wouldn't invalidate the mikveh as my of him. If there is a body of water that has 40 sa'ar minus one, it's lacking some of the minimum volume that is needed. And a sa'ar, one of these substances, fell into the mikveh naturally. And it brought it up to that minimum volume of 40 sa'ar. Nimtsu malin. So it would emerge that it has completed the volume of the mikveh that is needed, the lepeislin, and it wouldn't invalidate the mikveh if that which fell into it fell from a container. It would not invalidate the mikveh as Maim as we explained. And automatically that would actually end up validating the mikveh even if the water was poured in, since it doesn't invalidate the mikveh, the mikveh has increased in size based on that water. So even in a case where it's a container that is used to pour the water into the mikveh, it could be that the mikveh will become validated and reach its minimum volume because of that substance that was added even by a container.